Welcome back to the Defend Podcast and I'm your host Sam. Today I have a guest. This man is a psychotherapist who has a global coverage working with people or has an audience of people nationally in Australia and internationally and has also a clinical practice space in in the Gold Coast uh, and I'm so excited to have this conversation with with this person. This person's name is Igor Vasilevsky. I'm sure I've probably not, not pronounced your surname correctly, um, but I would love for you to correct me on that. Well, I mean, we've both got like a ski at the end, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's generally a Polish last name, actually, like with this ending with a ski, but it's Vasilevsky. It's a, it's a mouthful. You did a good job, though. Silvitsky, I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Igor, you, I've been following your work for a few, a couple of years now, and I've been really um, mesmerized and I love the way that you write. You're a writer as well. So, for those of you listening, Igor is a writer and a psychotherapist. And I'd love to begin this conversation with your story. Like, what made you become a psychotherapist and a counselor? Um, I guess it's the passion that, you know, I was kind of always seeking. I started off in IT because I had no idea what I wanted to do. So I just went with making money. Uh, about five years in, I was very depressed with where I was and what the hell I was doing with my life. So I was like, all right, I'm out. I'm going to go traveling, do the whole eat, pray, love thing and travel the world and go to, you know, the cliche shamanic thing in South America and the ashrams in India and um just kind of looking for yeah what the hell was going to make me happy and came back and studied along the way studied when I got back studied in the states and recognized that my passion was in you know going quite deeply into the human condition working with people um I just found naturally I was doing that anyway uh, I was doing that you know primarily I started with myself but then I kind of noticed that I had a natural um, proclivity to being able to connect to others quite deeply and to help them navigate whatever was going on for them so um, for me that was like oh wow all right this has real fire for me in my heart uh, and, and a meaning for me in my life so yeah I've, you know it's 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 quite a blessing to be working in that field for what now 20 years and to really look forward to what you do you know, it's like every session with every person, no matter how many years I've been seeing them for, and some I have been seeing for years, every session is different. There's something unique. It's it's like a it's like a painting, a work of art, you know. It's never the same. The human condition is always unraveling. So for me, it's never stagnant, never mundane, always interesting, always humane, always leaves a deep sense of reverence, you know, afterwards. So yeah. But um I think that answers the question. Thank you. And what have you learned by working in the field of this space? Uh, oof. That's a really broad question. Um, I mean, I've learned a lot about the human condition. Uh, I've learned a lot of compassion. And uh, I've learned, the I guess, I don't know if that's the right word, the bridge, but, you know, what is really human spirituality? Um, what is what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to have these neuroses, these patterns that we have in terms of, let's say, a divine perspective rather than a pathological one? And how do we meet that in the human condition? Um, 
that's one piece, but I could probably talk for hours about what I've learned. Yeah, well, I really love the way that you relate spirituality with psychotherapy and psychology. And yeah, what, what I'm hearing when you speak into the human condition and what you're learning, like, you know, there's a, in my experience, there's a mismatch between science and spirituality. You know, science hasn't quite caught up with proving any kind of what we are now beginning to see that in metaphysics but yeah what what can you say about um what you believe and what you see in the relationship between mental illnesses and spirituality um yeah I mean it depends what framework we are looking at uh things through you know I mean there's certain symptoms I mean, we all have, we all, that's, that's one of the things you tend to learn working so long in the field with so many people. It's like, we all share the same stuff, the same symptoms, the same neurosis. It's just a spectrum. Some a little bit more than others. And in the West, we kind of draw a line somewhere in the sand in that spectrum and go, well, beyond this line is mental illness. Below this line is the norm, right? But really there is no line, you know? There's people who are just more extreme in certain ways than others. And so our framework for mental health, you know, to me is limiting in that way. Um, you know, if we had, as they've had in previous cultures, certain support systems, certain understanding, certain permission of people on the higher end of the spectrums of how they're manifesting in terms of their experience. And to support that process in ways that uh, it needs to be. Where let's say somebody who cannot function because they're going through something intensive and it's for years. They were allowed to have that. And they were supported and served and revered in a certain type of unraveling or awakening, whatever you want to call it. Um, and they would come through a completely transformed, let's say, human being. Um, when we pathologize something like that, um, that, that creates extra layers of shame of stress of taboo of stigma of marginalization which obviously creates layers of extra stress for the person and their family of navigating something like that so i mean i think the western yeah framework is kind of limiting in that perspective yeah cool it's interesting because um i am listening currently to the audiobook uh the body keeps the score and mm. I'm up to the part where he talks about, is it the DNS? Is that what it's called? There's right. this there's this book. I think it's something that the APA, so the American Psycholog Psych Psychologically, I don't know. This organization in America has this book and it's got a list of all of the symptoms and it's all of the diagnoses. And you can look in there in this book and walk away with like five Oh, yeah. Diagnoses of some mental ailment. Yeah, you mean the DSM, right? The yeah, that's it. The okay. DSM, yeah. Uh, 100%. There's like so many different, you, you read all the symptoms and all the different, you know, uh, personality structures, and you're like, holy shit, I'm all of them. And that's the point. It's like, they are in all of us. Yeah. And it's like, do you find, what do you think about that? Well, I think it can be useful in certain contexts. It, you know, it's like we, there's a lot of anti-label 
sentiment in the new age in a development community and i agree with some of that but also for some people it helps them to understand what's going on that this is a treatable condition that there are certain ways to to uh approach you know uh, a certain label or a certain category for a while and then the question becomes do i identify with it or do i appropriate that temporarily so am i depressed or am I navigating depression, you know? So it also depends on how we work with labels. Oh, I really like that because I feel like Google has now become the new DSM, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know? Like you just yeah. enter in some symptoms and you're just like, okay, I have bipolar. And then that that in itself can send people. I've seen it. I don't know if you've seen it. I've seen it with clients. I've seen it with people, friends mm. who self-diagnose and then go down this path of identification with it. For sure. I mean, you know, the psyche longs to identify. Mm, yeah, of course. Yeah. The psyche longs to identify. So if it doesn't do that, it'll identify with something else. You know, it's a question of can we navigate uh, what we're identifying with? Can we be conscious of the the need to identify, right? Can we choose consciously what we identify? Can we choose what we decide to disidentify from? You know, I mean, life in a lot of ways, the psyche is, is just moving be between identifications and disidentifications. Yeah, and I really, um, I want to speak about specific identifications that I see weaved in your work that I really love, and that's around the space of polarity mm. and using the labels of masculine and feminine. Um, and you have this really cool and beautiful way of articulating these two archetypes or energies or yeah they mean both those things for me archetypes mm. um yeah what what and and then within the masculine and the feminine labels as subcategories you know we've got dark light mature immature different versions um yeah what led you down that path of understanding and teaching polarity um finding it within myself and then exploring that within relationship um being able to tap into it experientially i mean i tend to never write to things that i haven't experienced myself um so yeah the, the polarity stuff it was like oh okay i kind of now aware of the masculine consciousness and how it emanate animates me and my drives and my needs and including my egoic stuff my neurosis is it permeates everything i mean to me in my experience like it's <clears throat> you know it's the foundation of consciousness right these two aspects and other aspects and it's like they 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 kind of move through us move through all the more subtler or denser level of levels of consciousness so they're within ego as well right a man who's running after a woman let's say even if it's an unhe unhealthy way where he's not tuned into his heart so he doesn't know that she doesn't want him let's say doesn't really deeply know that he's following a masculine drive to conquer right it's still the masculine energy coming through him but it's just being twisted by something in the ego right something lacking the heart the softness the attunement to her needs and desires let's say but it's still the masculine essence so in a lot of ways, sometimes psychotherapeutically, especially if the person is open to it, we'll work with polarity, but seeing how it gets twisted, how it gets skewed, and how it's clean, uh, being expressed in their consciousness. Mm, I like that. 
do you believe that we can embody both the masculine and the feminine within? Yeah, I do. I think uh, in my experience, um, you know, it depends on the, the individual's constitution. Some people are incredibly feminine, right? And they may have a small fraction in their consciousness of more masculine energy. So their proclivity is to, to kind of go more into the feminine space. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong, right? Um, and then the others are the opposite way. And some are just more kind of balanced, uh, but they can be out of whack, let's say, right? So the, the masculine may be strong, the feminine may be incredibly repressed or or damsel in distress energy, right? So it's about then, well, let's let's give her what she needs. Let's empower her within consciousness. Let's seek to make the polarity system within you a little bit more, mm, you know, to overuse that word, integrated. I love the word integration. <laughs> I'm a massive fan of it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like my in my experience is like learning how to integrate both the masculine and feminine and play with the polarity in relationship to others. Mm -hmm. What I've observed is a society that is supporting masculinity mm -hmm. in Western culture. And I'd love to have a conversation with you about like, you know, your, with your knowledge and awareness, my knowledge and awareness is I've done some research on like understanding the bio biological differences between male and female bodies and our hormones. And then, you know, when a woman is too much in her masculine or using too much testosterone, the impact that has, mm. um, what, what, yeah. What's your experience been like with that? With, with particularly an over-masculine society mm. and how that's showing up mm. specifically for women, you know, who are in their masculine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's certainly been a movement. Uh, I mean, it's interesting because it's like there's been this arising of the, the feminine, right? We've been talking about that as well. The feminine is arising for a good you know, 50 years or something like that. Um, in a lot of ways, there's there's been this twist where women in the workplace, for example, have needed to step into um, a, uh, let's say, a contrived or, or like a acted unhealthy, let's say, feminine role of like dom being dominant and being forceful and being pushy, right? which is a kind of, I think, what you just touched on. At the same time, I think the arising feminine, right, which I think is very true, there's been this war on the patriarchy and the breaking down of a lot of repressive structures, let's say, right? It opens us up into the the more the feminine. The feminine is, what is the feminine, right? The feminine is choice, it's multitude, it's color, it's, it's, it's options, you know? It's freedom, unobstructed, right? So it's like, we've been breaking down these barriers, these walls. It's like, well, that's confining. Let's break that down. It's confining about how hair should be on men or women. Let's break that down. Let's break down the gender idea, right? Let's just keep giving choice. More and more and more and more and more choice. Now, what, what happens in polarity or within a relationship or within a person or within a culture when that happens, when there is no boundary? when there is no limit 
right? What happens is the feminine goes into chaos. There's mm -hmm. limitlessness. I have mm -hmm. no idea what to do. A child is like, I don't know what to do. There. No, you have to choose because it's about freedom of choice and we're empowering you to choose. No, a child needs healthy values and healthy boundaries. Of course, there needs to be empowerment around choice, but within reason. So I think we've swung the other way. I think mm -hmm. there's been too much breakdown of structures because structures have been seen one dimensionally as repressive and constrictive and confining and imprisoning rather than supportive and holding and containing, right? Which is, which is actually the deeper masculine. It's a masculine that doesn't need to control with a barrier, but rather hold with a firm boundary and a, and a loving structure, right? So then when I have all these, my feminine and I have, you know, feminine is all about emotions. It's like all these emotions of vulnerabilities, they don't know where to go. They're all over the place. They're dominating me. Well, then I'm, I'm screwed. But if I, because I've broken down everything that, that, that had any kind of system around it or structure. But if I bring in the deeper masculine, I can hold that. I can contain it. I can channel it in a certain direction. Inspiration. I can choose where I want to channel between these boundaries. I can ch ch change the channel for sure. But if I don't, then my inspiration goes, oh, look, balloon. Oh, this, this is exciting. That is exciting. Right? It becomes impulsivity which is actually child consciousness. It's like a child who's running after everything, right? Yeah. Who actually needs a dad to step in and go, hey, focus. There needs to be this disciplining, uh, you know, firm loving aspect to this. So for me, I actually feel like it's really time for the deeper masculine to arise, not more of the feminine. The feminine's actually still crying out. She's like, I'm still angry. I'm still pissed, although I'm breaking down the patriarchy because there's no healthy masculine around. Yeah, it's like when the feminine tests the masculine in relationship and now we're seeing it in, you know, the broader world around us. Mm -hmm. I had this belief or like this idea, like I, 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 I'm pretty open. I, I'd like to consider myself as somebody who's pretty open-minded. So what I've observed is this rise of the feminine has also been, it's been emasculating in some ways. But I've also observed um, an over-masculine approach to the rise of the feminine. So that then, then it kind of like brings in that emasculation mm -hmm. in the sense of like, I don't need a man. Mm -hmm. And then women doing all the things that, you know, men love to feel needed for. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. Hyper self-independence. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. There's that yeah. aspect. And then there's this other aspect, right, of how, a lot of the inner growth stuff is what is it based around? It's based around a feminine way of healing, actually, right? So everything is about surrender and opening and feeling, right? It's yeah. about deepening. It's not about actually stepping up and out into the world, which is a masculine thing to do. It's not about creating myself in the world. It's about constantly breaking more and dismantling more and opening myself even more. So sometimes I work with people who are like, like that. They've been on the you know, in a development circuit for years. And they, they don't know any more about themselves at all. In fact, they feel more lost in the world. They feel no structure around them. They just keep opening and deepening. And then they feel less understood because now they're at this depth that nobody else is and they're alone and they're too sensitive to everything. There's no boundaries protecting them. So the masculine way of, of, of working, and this is, this is 
uh, it's been more my passion in the last little while because I'm seeing it with every client. It's like, that's what I'm having to bring to not to help them dismantle or, or open more. It's more about actually creating this strong sense of structure within their system to hold them, which is the deeper masculine, which is boundaries. Mm -hmm. Deepest levels is creating this inner kingdom, right? Which holds them, which gives them choice and protection and safety in the world. So, you know, that's the program I'm offering called Structured to people. Um, and that's, that's, yeah, it's been going great. I love that. And that's where I see the integration between the masculine and feminine from within, being able to hold ourselves, channel that, that emotional channel, that whatever's coming through. Um, yeah, it's, it's like a dance, like holding ourselves in that healing process, but then not like descending so far, like working together and able to ascend as well. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, ascend and then there's descend. And then there's just actually moving forward here, yes. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. To me, that is, that's the masculine imperative, to move forwards into the world, to create something in this world in a healthy way, right? Because there's lots of ascenders who are like trying yeah. to transcend the human condition. There's lots of descenders who I used to be, who was like, oh, I'm going to go into the depths and find the deepest truths and be my most authentic self and it never happens you know it's it's your authentic self is who you choose to create and bring some of that depth and height into this world and hold it wow. right in a strong enough in a strong enough container i love that i've not ever heard that anywhere before i really mm -hmm. love that yeah, because like what my experience has been like and what I've observed as well is just like this digging and digging and digging yeah. and digging and digging. And you can keep digging, right? Like I'm sure you've seen this with your clients. I've seen this myself. And yourself, yeah, and myself as well. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, there's this other thing that happened when I was a child and I'm just going to focus on that now and just notice uh, like yeah, it's exhausting. <laughs> it's exhausting, but there's some quite often I find in people that that's, there's an avoidance, right? There's an avoidance of just being here, just accepting being human quite often or, yeah. or, or embracing the mundane, God forbid, because everything's about enlightenment or your eros or your, your ecstasy. You know, it's like I make fun of it, but there's, there's of course, there's truth there. You want to access that, but you want to bring that through here. You don't want to like live in a nirvanic bubble somewhere in an altered state of consciousness as a lot of people do, not fully incarnating. And actually doing something with that and building a world that's infused with those ecstatic states, you know, rather than kept in self, locked to self, which is, which can feed narcissistic tendencies. Mm, I really like that. And I agreed with you. I agree with you. Like, um, it's. So something that I've felt but haven't really spoken about with anybody or voiced it because I'm like, Ooh, a bold statement to make. you, everybody. This is like a show. <laughs> Breaking news. Um, <laughs> sometimes I feel like embodiment practices can be an escape of the psyche and the mind mm -hmm. because our thoughts run wild. And I do live up here a lot. I do spend a lot of time up in my head and I do have embodiment practices. But what I've observed is that sometimes I go into embodiment practices to escape things that I don't want to think about or face. Mm -hmm. I'd love 
to hear what your perspective and opinion of that is. Um, I mean, that's interesting. I mean, to me, to me, we generally get out of the energetic body to not face stuff, right? We go the other way. It sounds like what you're describing is you go into your body in order to escape or avoid something else. It really depends. Like I, I do embodiment practices to move the energy. Yeah. What I've observed is like, you know, some creating pleasure in the body, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, I see a lot of that and I don't have any issue with it. I think it has its place. I think it's great. There's a lot of people teaching how to create pleasure in the body. Is that a form of escapism to avoid feeling any pain in the body or any emotional pain? Like anything, it depends on where it's coming from. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like anything. We could be doing this podcast because we're facing our fear of doing podcasts and doing our journey in life that I'm calling, or we could be doing this because I don't want to actually go and face something in myself over there, right? So it so depends. But yeah, there's, there's, let me put it this way. There's, there's a lot of commodification of spirituality, right? So there's like so many beautiful yummy carrots being dangled, pleasure, freedom, emancipation, um, avoid the mundane, seek the sacred in connection and relate. It's all so sexy, you know? So of course it's going to land itself to aspects in our consciousness that um, are avoidant, are escapist, um, want the easy route, want to, um, yeah, like avoid challenge, let's say. You know, the question is, how do we frame them? And then how do we facilitate them? So somebody comes to me and quite often they'll be like, oh, I want to, I don't know, I want to awaken my inner king and find my queen to kind of, you know. And sometimes it's a very genuine, beautiful expression of their, uh, the maturation of their consciousness. And I'm like, yeah, man, let's do it. Let's meet that. And other times it's it's this infatuation or this romanticization or this idealization of certain things that are so shiny and so attractive that being with really where they're at, you know, is that's what they prefer to do. And so I have to point them back to what's going, what's really going on. And sometimes that means that they'll shed shadow mature kind of face face into whatever they're facing into uh journey through whatever they're journeying through and at the end of that sometimes they're like yeah i still want that and it's pure and sometimes they're like i don't want that i'm cool this is good this is actually what i needed this piece is what i needed here so it all depends where it's coming from i really like that i love that um I love that you asked me before coming onto this podcast what my intention is. And I think that's really important is this thing called intention Mm. and knowing where that comes from. And it sounds like what you do with your clients is you dig in to discover the truth. Yeah. 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 Well, that's, that's certainly preferable. Um, (laughs) So how we do this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Unless, of course, there's a compulsive mechanism that's constantly needing to dig for the truth in them, which happens a lot in our field, you and I, Sam, right? 
people are just like, I'm they're treasure hunters. I'm yeah. gonna get into the truth and the absolute truth and the authentic truth. Everything else is a lie and a falsity. No, it's not. What we need to shed is this compulsivity about breaking things into duality, into truth, into true self and untrue self. Because then we're just being violent to aspects of our consciousness. And then we're waging a war on the false self, false self, right? Or the pleasure and the non-pleasure, or this or that. And so it's about, all right, let's be human here. Let's try to expand our human consciousness to hold both true and false. And see that we are, you know, we're actually holding it all. And we are the holding of it, of it all, of all the polarities. Mm. Yeah, I love that. It's like, yeah, I have a vision. I have this visual. I've had this. I can't even remember when I started thinking this way, but it's like a a wheel, a circular wheel. And it has every single human emotion or feeling. And like we have all of them. I don't see any absent. Like we all have the ability and capability to feel sad. We all have the ability to feel happy, angry, shame, guilt, all the things. And I feel like the moment that we push those aside, that's when we create shadow, we push things into the unconscious. Yeah. I mean, but the, the really interesting thing is, is when you get into more, uh, shall we say, complex paradoxes, which seem contra- contradictions, like let's say, uh, I did work with someone the other day, for example, and it was like uh, she was like looking looking at a connection at a relationship. It's like, well, there's a comp- there's compatible here, but there's incompatible there, and she couldn't resolve it. Right? It's a conflict, and so it was. The piece was more about, well, can we within consciousness create the structure, this container for both of them to coexist? It's like I can have an embrace both compatible and incompatible now it makes no sense to the logical mind but this is a a game of consciousness and when we can hold those paradoxes we can live life more fully right we can we can find then compatibility within incompatible connections too right instead of breaking that shit down and going no that's incompatible that's that's no i can see it there done i'm done i cannot hold that right so it makes us more complete humans to hold these contradictory paradoxes true and false right and wrong compatible and compatible etc yeah i love that a lot because you're speaking into what i feel and what i believe but i've not and this is what i love about your body of work is that your ability to articulate these really deep themes and ideas that just it feels there's so much resonance within me Right. Yeah. And yeah. so in in I read one of your posts around self-awareness and hypervigilance. And I feel like that's been a bit of a theme of this conversation. I'd love to explore this um this post that you shared and some of the ideas that you shared on this post around that. So for those listening, what what is the difference between self-awareness and hypervigilance? Um so one is, uh, I guess, our capacity to uh, self be self-referential. So rather than I'm all, only aware of what's outside of me, I'm also aware of what's inside of me. So it's a, no, it's a noticing of consciousness of what's happening within consciousness, right? So, oh, I'm noticing this emotion arise of jealousy because you're drinking something I really want to drink. 
right now, right? There may be a notice in. But let's say there's also hypervigilance within me, some sort of anxiety. Let's say a lack of safety, and we all have them. Now, all of a sudden, it grabs a hold of this self-awareness piece. And it goes, hang on, Sam or ego has taught me that my emotions or my patterns, when they arise, they can cause harm and damage. So I need to be self-aware all the time to make sure the harm and damage doesn't come my way. And now all of a sudden I'm vigilant around everything that comes up within my consciousness. Right. And so I see, I see it all the time. And this is something I struggled with too. Um, People that do come from self-development communities or spiritual circles and that, you know, they'll be just constantly in tune with self, constantly. And they'll pride themselves on it. But it, but there's there's this kind of, you know, disconnection from the world and from connections because it's constantly, everything's always dropping in and always checking in. And every moment, it's like you say something, they need to close their eyes to tune in to what's coming up as a result of what I'm saying. At first, I was like, I don't know what the hell's going on here. I don't understand when I came to Byron. It's like, how do you communicate here? Why are people closing their eyes all the time? Where are they going? <laughs> you know, oh I'm not used to this, you know? So it's like, it kind of cuts away a little bit from the human, just like, let that shit go. Okay, stuff will come up. But it's like, do you have the ability to say no to it, compartmentalize it, to put it to the side? Now, now you know, because you want that human interaction to flow more naturally. Right. So hypervigilance, mm. it it can either go outside, it's like, you know, how am I in danger or what from? Or it can go inside in this into the like my inner world is dangerous and I have to monitor it. Right. Mm. So that yeah, that's the difference between those two. I really I'm just loving everything that you're sharing because I resonate so deeply. And I, I've I've had similar experiences where I'm like, am I supposed to be like making sounds and, you know, breathing deeply right now and closing my eyes and like, you know, the part of my human psyche that wants so desperately to belong. And I'm like connecting with these people who I love and adore and respect. Yeah. But then I'm like, there's this part of me that's like, I don't want to do that. It doesn't feel natural. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't feel flowing organic to you. And of course, as humans, we, we land in these environments and everyone else is doing it. And you're like, oh, but they're so, they're so wise and so connected. And I really want to be part of this. And you start to do it. And yeah. And that's I, child consciousness, like mimicking. Yeah, well, you know, it's I'll, I'll just prefer to see it as human consciousness. We're just, we're full of flaws and foibles. We're always going to imitate, to assimilate and do these sorts of mm. things. You know, we're just pulling it apart with with you um to bring more awareness to to people like oh shit like i'm doing that too maybe i can lessen that because because it puts a lot of pressure it puts so much pressure to be super self-aware all the time yes it does i see it with my clients i'm like okay this isn't about that like hyper vigilance what you've what you've shared is not about like picking yourself apart i like to bring in like self-acceptance yeah you yeah. know just being able to accept where you're at right here right now not trying to change anything just letting yourself be yeah of course that's difficult to do when there's hypervigilance at play because hypervigilance it doesn't hear it because it's 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 under threat there's a part that feels like i'm going to die if i stop monitoring 
So what is this chick or this dude telling me to just love and accept myself, right? So for me, it's like, it's, it's about bringing safety to that part. It's about working with that part to make it safe enough. And then there's more of like, okay, when you feel safe and you're still, let's say, monitoring yourself, maybe there's a part that's going like, uh, I need to fix myself. I need to be different. I need to change. I'm not good enough. Then we work on maybe more self-acceptance. It's like, okay, let's allow the parts of you that aren't good enough to be here. Let's put some love into them. Let's actually bring compassion to them. Right. And if you do your job good enough, I mean, I always felt that as a therapist, um, you do get to a place where, you know, either the person's like, you know what, I don't need this anymore. I just want to go live my life now. I don't want to like fix change. You know, I feel enough self-acceptance or they just kind of hang out there and have just connecting conversations that are just real and genuine. It's not about actually changing anything anymore. So it's like, that's what I like to see as uh, sessions progress. Because if down the line, we're like a year down the track and we're still digging for problems, there's something else going on here at play, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, yeah, all of that is just like so incredible. So your, your acute awareness and your experience and the studies that you've done it's yeah it's just amazing incredible um I'm a coach so I haven't gone deep into psychotherapy and the the layers of um the layers you have I feel like there's a different way of approaching people from a coaching might like lens to a psychotherapy lens and it sounds like you really get to the core root of it which is awesome Mm. yeah yeah, I mean, I think, you know, uh, a coach can have a deep enough insight that some psychotherapists don't. Like, to me, they are certain labels. Um, uh, you know, I think I think the, 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 the person doing that coaching or the psychotherapy really is the instrument of healing, right? In psychotherapy, we say that. It's like the psychotherapist is the instrument, not the techniques, not even the understandings. Is this ability to kind of like um, just be with another human and what they're in fully, deeply with boundaries, with compassion that does like most of the work, you know, a lot of the stuff I'm saying is like, yes, I've, because I've, I have a strong mind and I've seen what happens and then I've been able to articulate that. And that's what we're doing here. But the work itself isn't so much me Blah, lecturing like I'm doing now, you know, it's just about your capacity to really love the human and their humanness, no matter what the shade of it is. That I think, regardless of if it's a coach, counselor, or therapist, makes a really beautiful instrument of support, of of love for another, and therefore of healing. Yeah, that's so true, and I really resonate with that as well. Do you feel like? doing having that space for yourself and holding yourself in that way and and loving yourself in that way helps in the way that you show up for other people oh it's absolutely necessary absolutely necessary it's like you know if you meet your brokenness your ugliness let's say your own 
self-rejection. You meet it, but you meet it with a way of like, you know, let's say the spiritual purifier way. I'm going to shift this. I'm going to reframe this limiting belief. I'm going to change this so that it's all loving in my psyche, right? Then there's, there's a certain type of war or hostility towards the human condition, which is always going to throw up more impurities, right? More things to fix apparently from that perspective. Or we can meet that, the brokenness, let's say, with compassion. You know, it's like, oh, you know, you silly, neurotic, um, bumbling, um, aging, middle-aged guy, you know? It's like, how can I meet that with endearment, with, with compassion for that pain and a sweetness for their, like, hu humanness, you know, the ridiculousness of humanness. It's like a caricature, really. But you meet it with love and embracing, and it's like all of a sudden you have so much more self-acceptance, that, that self-acceptance, not, not reframing everything in yourself and not finding your core essence, and therefore now I'm a self-accepted. No, so like I'm accepting myself on all levels of consciousness, not just the core, not just the divinity, because I used to dig for that and I, and I found it. It's like, oh my God, it's brilliant. The shining, the shining, the shining. You know, I love it. It's gorgeous. But the truth is you can't stay there. Otherwise you are denying your humanity. So yeah, question, but... can you hold that and the humanity, love both, integrate both, bring both to the world? And that goes back to the word that you said before is creating being complete yeah well yeah at least moving towards com more completeness you know i, I work yeah. with lots of therapists and healers and, and stuff that will uh often have aspects and sometimes really large aspects of consciousness identified as whoever they came in as a spiritual master or an interdimensional being or a or a or an elemental being and they'll bring in amazing gifts but there's a divorce between them and the human condition. Quite often I'll hear this like, oh, these humans, these muggles, they're so weird. I'm so oh not from God. this plane. I'm so not from this plane. Mm. And it's like, well, yeah, you are actually. You know, and it's about yeah. then helping them come into their incarnate, into their human consciousness, which means becoming all the shit that they've spent their lives trying to alchemize you know and so when that happened to me when i dropped into the human density and i was like oh shit oh no and at the same time yes okay all right let's play this game cool yeah that's awesome it's like what you're speaking into is spiritual bypassing essentially it's like and i've been there as well i think i don't know if i think we started following each other's work back in 2020 when I was deep in shadow alchemy do you remember that oh I remember like a very brief interaction online but I oh yeah shadow alchemy I remember posts by you yeah 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 yep, yep. yeah 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 in the spiritual bypass I was like this is yeah. great have you alchemized your whole shadow yet are you uh -huh. all, are you all light <laughs> well oh, the whole thing is just so full-on and I remember feeling so, I actually needed to go on that side of the, the pendulum. You know, when you feel, I just felt so cold, lack of compassion, like the other side of like, I just didn't want to be a people pleaser anymore. I didn't want to be all these things, like disown all these parts of myself. 
now I love the people pleaser part of me because it's, you know, that attunement to the room and all these things. But yeah, yeah. I remember experiencing like that what you just broke into was like, oh, these humans, you know, yeah. they, don't, they don't know what's up. Yeah. Yeah. Then there's a, therefore there's an aspect of cultism in oh, uh, such a into into in spirituality because it's it, what it ha- what it does is it kind of it has this real cultish thing about it of going like we are working towards be- being in the five D and therefore the rest including the family is three D they're different they're full of shadow they're full of unconsciousness and they're gonna pull you in and they're gonna suck on you energetically va- vampire off you and drain you. If you want to evolve, buy this workshop. You know, it's like there's a lot of this that tends to happen, maybe not intentionally, maybe not consciously, but nonetheless, right? And uh, yeah, there's a as a part of me is going like I could go on for a couple of tangents, but have you got any more questions on other subjects? Um, no, not at this stage. Like this that they're all the questions that I really had for this conversation um but yeah if you have anything else you want to share on that I'm more than happy to receive that I know it's a massive conversation the spiritual bypass and spiritual cultism and that whole domain um but yeah I think that it's such an important conversation as well yeah 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 no absolutely I mean whatever whatever serves the audience really to i think broaden broaden um their perspective on their unique journeys you know it's like if any anything i've said is like oh hang on that that kind of relates to me there's something in that for me um and this has served its purpose right yeah definitely well i've gained so much from it as well just like you know reiterating some of the things and the themes that we both work around um, one thing I said to you before we jumped on the recording was like that I'm in service to the evolution of consciousness and that is the human experience and the game that we're playing in the sense of like what, everything that you've just spoken to really. Mm. And yeah, it just, it feels so for me nourishing to have conversations like this and to open up perspectives and to open up our minds to alternative ways of being and alternative ways of seeing the world like just trying on a different lens how does that fit taking little nuggets from it and I feel like you've just provided so many amazing chicken nuggets yeah (laughs) you're making me hungry now I'm curious you know you work with a lot of people what are you currently offering how can people find you uh so as discussed before, just just maybe throw up my Facebook link because all the writings I'm doing at the moment, I'm still putting just on Facebook posts. Um, the intention is to collate them into some sort of book. But please, um, yeah. please write a book. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's just like there's so much more that comes in every day, and I'm just I just want to get this out there. I just want to get this out there. So mm. in that and clients, I haven't really got my shit together to write the book. But um, uh, other than that, I see clients individually um and i do have space for that and the other thing is uh i do have a a program specific program like i've kind of not really had programs throughout my thing but ever since i actually discovered a thing that i can offer that feels different like in terms of uh creating this really strong 
protective grounding structure, this, this kingdom around our juice, around our essence, around our emotions and vulnerabilities, right? To hold us and house us here in this world, in relationships, in our human structure. It's like, there's so much embodiment work out there, but it's all, it's, it's, there's so much about just like feeling and getting into the body and getting into the Shakti. It's still in the feminine. For me, it's not getting in the body. You can't get into the body unless the body is safe enough. And it's only safe enough when we have a strong container built in the psyche, right? Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, otherwise, what is the body? It's not the physical body we're getting into. We're getting into the energetic, emotional bodies. If they don't have boundaries, where are we getting into exactly? Where, where, mm. where are we going? We're leaking everywhere. We cannot mm. contain ourselves. We need a container. So my work in this structured program has been very much about creating this containment. So it's like, I'm not leaking everywhere, you know? Mm. People who don't have that, they get exhausted because they leak out. They merge with others. They get they 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 kind of claim to get sucked dry by others' energies, but that's the only others can only come in and take well if we don't have any boundaries. It's like I'm open. Here, take me. Yeah. Right. As opposed to no, I'm gonna be in relationship and connection, but I'm gonna be behind my boundaries. I'm still gonna love them. And I might open this door when I choose to. But I'm not just going to leak in every direction. So anyway, this, um, this, this, uh, this container, this program is very much about introducing this deeper, what I see as deeper masculine resources of holding, of safety, of strength, of solidity in the system. Mm. Hold the juiciness and the eros within it. So yeah, that, that or just individual sessions for any kind of human existential issue. That sounds so juicy. <laughs> oh, it sounds solid around the juiciness. Weren't you listening? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, yeah, I'm going to include all of your contact details in the bio. And I want to thank you mm -hmm. um my whole heart for joining me on this conversation and for sharing your wisdom. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on this podcast. And yeah, I just I'm just so grateful, really. Thank you. Thanks, Sam. I appreciate being on this and always love having a chat about this. And kind of this is the first time we've talked. Hey. Yeah, this is our first official conversation. <laughs> I love that it's recorded. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Took two, two, three years, but you know, we got there. Yeah. And we will catch up where yeah, when exactly. when our times align on the Gold Coast, which I'm so excited for. So, everybody, thank you so much for joining me on the deep end, and I'll catch you on the next episode.